Hey, Mitch. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. That's good. It's nice to to see you on the radio. It's always nice to see you after a week of not seeing many people. It's out of my family and my in-laws. Yeah. Passerbys or passersby. Passerbys. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> That's irrelevant. Yeah. It is good to see you. Welcome back to Everyday Meeple. Everyday Meeple, where everyday people talk about everything Meeple. And today, Viking Meeple. Uh, Viking. You, know what, you know what's interesting that just happened, though? No, I don't, know. Wingspan uh, crushed Gloomhaven's record of winning eight uh, Golden Geek Awards. Oh, did it ever. It won them all, almost, yeah. It didn't, saw, it, it was... it didn't win, uh, like, print and play. Yeah, or a two-player exclusive game or something like it that. It won solo game. Yeah, I was, I was surprised that it, that it cleaned house. Well, not really. I voted for uh, this. We're talking about the uh, Golden Geek Awards here, right? On board yeah, game yeah, Geek. the Board Game Geek Golden Geek Awards for which to me last I, year, I guess. I know a lot of people were giving it flack already. I was, I was reading it in bed last night, and I, you know, it's part people... of the. As as much flack as was being given, everybody that I saw was being super polite and supportive in their flack. Yeah, it's like true. Like the the one issue that people seem to have is that it shouldn't have been able to win family game and strategy game <laughs> right. at the same time. And I can see that argument. And to me, the issue isn't that uh, Wingspan won that because as soon as it's nominated for both of those, then the whole the whole way that that the system works is that people are voting and like it's yeah. it's heavily influenced uh publishers are advertising to go vote for their games and like it's yeah. it's it's uh you know it's not a i don't, I don't know what it, what to call it it's a great award but you know it's not the spiel the jar it's not uh so the the issue is mean. the issue is to me that you shouldn't be able to nominate a game outside of maybe its category, right? So the 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 people that feel like it's it's a myth that it's ah it's too much feel like oh, you know a game that is winning a family game that has a difficulty rating below yeah. a three shouldn't be yeah. able to win a strategy game because and and somebody one of them's had a great point where why don't we just have a heavy strategy game category and then that won't happen so you can have strategy games yeah. that are light. Win yeah. because because it, if you don't then it's not fair because to say like a game can only be a family game and not a strategy game is not fair either so maybe no. they just need to do a heavier uh, strategy game like I a, think that, a three and up category I think that's probably the best solution because as I was reading it and it, even as I was voting on it like um, I I just I love the the Golden Geek Award because it's board game geek users it's not uh, it's you know a it's a good time it's, it's a wide uh, net cast over all the people that are on board game geek that play board games. And as I was voting for it, because there were some cool games that I got to play this year, I never get to play all, all the games oh that God. are nominated. I um, had a hard time. I was going through the list trying to vote and I was just like, I never played that one. I never played that yeah, one. I never played yeah, that one. That's kind of where I was at, but you know, I've really enjoyed a couple others on that list, like Paladins of the West kingdom and tapestry. I've got some play for me and I really enjoyed those games. They did a lot of good for my brain. But when they were competing in categories against Wingspan, even though I think in my part of me likes those other games better, almost like the aesthetically and what they do to my brain uh, playing them solo, I, I like better than what I get from Wingspan. But I, I had to pick Wingspan over it because at the end of it, there was just some outside, if I could step outside of time and space, I'm like, this game is, is stacks up with like, all the classic games, I think it's going to last a long time and get a lot of play. Oh, People I, were arguing I, about the Innovation Award, and, and I thought, <laughs> I thought maybe nothing about each of its mechanics are particularly innovative, but the whole package is innovative. Oh yeah, and if anything, it 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 puts it out to other uh, publishers and, and and designers to say, you know, this is how. You put together a whole package that really kind of pulls people in. But. It had such a huge impact. Uh, I, I, it's innovative just for that, you know. Yeah. It's for I, yeah, I have no problem uh, with any of it. Like I feel like Spiel the Jar style. Like games should be open to more players than just you know nerd 
focused yeah, gamers. Totally. So that that wingspan is so accessible. And uh, for me, when I was voting stuff, I was like, of the two games I really like, which one do I want to play? You know, would I play more? Which one? Yeah. So you know, I I, totally. I think it yeah. And they make it one for art because it's beautiful. It won for totally yeah. You know, it's beautiful. It's an amazing game. And Congrats congratulations, to Hargrave and yeah. Stonemaier. And the whole team, Beth Sobel did the uh, some of the artwork. I can't remember the other artist. Uh, Great yeah. job. Yeah, congrats, everybody. But that's not what we came here to talk about today. No, Vikings. You, you mentioned something about Vikings. Vikings I mean, on as, the... as cute as those birds would be with little horned helmets on in <laughs> some weird expansion, that's not what we're talking about. Tabletop Vikings. Um, and we're kind of... I, I, I guess we're late. You know, we're talking about... Uh, Games winning awards from last year, uh, <laughs> and we're talking about you know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Vikings, which was like from 2015. I, I think people have even moved past the the theme now. There's not really a lot oh, of Viking know. subject matter anymore. Even Raiders of the North Sea is being re-released without yeah. Vikings. So yeah. maybe we're a little late. Late. To we'll, the table, we'll never but, move completely past Vikings, though. But it's so I'm, much fun and. I think it's worth talking about because it's so much fun. Uh, so I want to talk about Champions of Midgard, which is, um, I don't know how to say his name, Ol? Ol, I think, yeah. Ol Steinus? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a game from 2015. It's a, at its heart, it's a worker placement game, but it deals with uh, set collection and um, resource management. It's really heavy resource management as you try and get your stuff around and do the things you want. It's a, it's a very tight, tiny little uh, space. And then it has uh, combat, and it has uh, dice-chucking combat, which takes it from its, its... It's sort of inspired in the same sort of thing as like Lords of Waterdeep, where it's yeah. taken a Euro game and put so much theme into it. And then with this one, it's actually gone and put the Amerithrash... Uh, dice chucking stuff into a Euro game, making it mm-hmm. a Euro thrash game, I guess, even though we shouldn't be using those terms because they <laughs> feel so derogatory. Yeah. It's a, it's a great game and it, it needs to be explored in our conversations. Totally. Yeah. I, we've had a lot of fun with this one and uh, yeah, 2015, it's still not that long ago. It's amazing how many games have come out since 2015. Um, but yeah, Champions of Midgard stands out for me, um, for sure. I, I ranked it pretty high when I, I do a little ranking at the end of the year last year, and this was new to me last year when we played it, and and it was it was ranking pretty high for me. Um, so it's one of my favorite games. It's it's a fun game for us because it works really well as two players. It's the same as Lords of Waterdeep, which we haven't done that episode yet because it's such a big topic that we need we need help with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But with Champions of Midgard, um, you're doing the same. It's a worker placement game where you have a few little. Yes, you're sort of your stuff is divided into two things. Your dice are your warriors, and then your your wooden meeple are like your villagers. And you you live in this little Viking town that is constantly being attacked by trolls, and you have to place your meeple to like recruit warriors and get food and like buy boats and like you can go hunting for food if you want you can deal mm-hmm. with traders there's a there's a few different resources that you're using you're using uh, food and wood and money and then there's actually a negative resource in the game that is fantastic uh, <laughs> because the village is being attacked by trolls constantly there's this weird semi-cooperative element where if if you, somebody doesn't deal with the trolls, then everybody feels uh, the shame. They get these blame tokens mm. for not having tried to deal with this troll. So uh, as you're placing workers, there are sort of two styles of spots. One is like you regular worker placement where you, you get a resource or you do a thing. You like hire a boat or get a, uh, what are they called? The, uh, not the vanity cards. What are those? uh Destiny oh, yeah. cards. You picking Destiny. up Destiny cards that yeah. give you uh, 
new ways to sort of score at the end of the game and scoring uh, scenarios that you can, if you have the most wood at the end of the game, so then you change your thing, you start trying to collect your wood, that sort of stuff. But that one also lets you peek at these journey cards that I, I feel like I'm doing everything you have to order because everything happens at the same time. But uh, yeah, yeah. but there's combat spots. So you ha- somebody has to go and put their meeple to deal with a troll. And only one person can do that, but somebody has to. If nobody does it, everybody gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. But if if that one person does it and they lose, everybody still gets in trouble. <laughs> uh, and then there's also uh, what are the the other monsters? There's these big monsters over over the ocean that you got to hire boats to go travel and journey off yeah, yeah. to. And those ones have uh, little voyage cards hidden between you and the monster, so you can see the monster and you know what you're getting into. But then there's a face down card that you'll flip over and it might give you more trouble. Uh, or it might might be a nice sunny day to go sailing to the bigger monster, and then you have to fight a bigger mm. monster. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this game. No, Steve. it's all it's crystal clear. It's crystal yeah, clear. Crystal clear. Uh, that's exactly it. Uh, you know, it's this worker placement in the village, and then if you so choose, you could go off and fight some mythological beasts. Um, I find it interesting this uh, Champions of Midgard, and you know, we we've talked about theme on here before, but something that struck me as I was like reading, reminding myself about this game and Vikings in general was, you know, a Viking theme on a game um, is like, yeah, these are Vikings, but this is such a, a fantasy game because oh, yeah. you're, not, you're not, you're not like a historical Viking here. You're, you're fighting monsters and trolls and Draugr and Fenrir, like mythological beasts from like Norse mythology. Um, yeah. This is, isn't Catan's like a, like a Viking game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Catan's you know, right? like you've discovered Iceland and you're you're settling and like you've sailed in and like you're gonna farm and you know there's no raiding yeah. or anything but you know uh, this, this kind of is... goes whole hog into like the uh you know the heavy it's like heavy metal viking where, yeah you know um but it and the art the art uh bellies that it's it's like crazy beautiful monsters and like it's very uh fantasy metal poster awesomeness well, it's really cool because, of course, um, when I think of Champions of Midgard, and I haven't played a ton of Viking games. There's a lot out there, and uh, I've been looking into them. But the other big Viking game that I play, and I don't want to get into a big chat about Raiders of the North Sea, but those are my two comparisons, and they're both worker placements. I think Raiders tries a bit more of the historical approach of, like, you're raiding places, and you're looting, and you're pillaging. Um, but Midgard, Champions of Midgard, uh, goes whole hog into the mythology and I kind of love it, you know, cause, cause Vikings are, um, I guess, you know, religiously, I, I love Viking mythology. Um, you know, part of it's being a superhero nerd and loving th- Thor. Um, but I love the idea of being a Viking, especially cause I'm a big guy and I like having a beard sometimes. Uh, but I, it's easy to imagine being a Viking. And part of that is that living in a society where your religion is telling you, Someday there will be the end of the world. There's nothing you can do about it, but you can kind of like enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, you know, you can go be honorable and you can be like the the best you can be and live it up. So it's it's to me, I always get a sense from from reading about Viking mythology that's like, yeah, drinking ale and fighting monsters and raiding because the end of the world's coming anyways. It's it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, you're waiting for the apocalypse, so you're just living living life to its fullest by being a, being a crazy by person. By being a Viking meeple. By being a Viking meeple. And that's, I feel like Champions of Midgard uh, goes right into that. You've got these humans on Midgard who are just like, yeah, you know, let's round up all our stuff in the village and set sail and fight whatever's out in the clouds. Um, and yeah, it really leans heavy into that awesomeness of Viking mythology. There's a, there's a thing that ties in with that theme and with what you're saying where uh, as you play you put out your, your regular wooden meeple to try and scrounge up what you can and if you're playing with four and you can play with five if you have one of the expansions mm. it is it is scarce like the, you need dice which are your warriors to fight and, and you need food and you need stuff and there's only so many spaces There's a you add a couple more in when you play with three and four players but you have less meeple so you have like three mm-hmm. or two meeple to try and get your stuff together 
and then you have to fight monsters and you have to fight monsters that's where your points come from and and you have to, so you you go and you do all your stuff with your wooden meeple and then at the end of that uh, you go around and see who has put their meeple to fight monsters and whenever you're doing that part of the setup you then decide which of your dice and you can have up to eight dice are you going to send off to fight which monster. So if you're fighting two different monsters, say you're fighting, uh, say you decide to fight the troll, and mm-hmm. you're fighting overseas, and you got to go on a trip, uh, you'd have to decide how many dice you're going to put to fight the troll. And then you have to decide how many dice do you have left to go and fight overseas, and you have to feed them, so you have to put uh, food for your uh, trip on the boat to feed your things, and if you're going close, food will go a long way. It's no problem. But if you're going on a farther trip, you need more food to feed your warriors. And and you have to have gotten a boat that will hold it all. So there's there's a couple there's a free boat that lets you put like four people in the boat and then there's like one that costs a buck and it it holds like ten or something. I think it's five and ten. Holds five people, ten people. And then you can actually buy boats that hold eight or ten uh, more people. And and once you've divided up all of your dice to go and fight, then you then you fight. And right there, uh, really makes uh, to me the the theme to sink right in because say you have only two dice to fight the troll, you can totally miss and totally lose. And all the work that you did that whole round to scrounge up to get those two dice is gone. And and you get no points, and you get and you get blame if you're fighting the troll, and everything just starts stacking up against you, and it's it every time you completely lose, <laughs> it's like a kick in your guts. And there's not a lot of board games that I play that actually gives you a, a sort of a visceral sense when you lose, and it's a ton of fun. I love yeah. it. I throw the dice, and like I feel anguish, like I'm uh, ah. Because it just d- doesn't work out, and it feels great when it does work out, especially if you've lost once, and then you go back and you do it, and like, there's, it's a roller coaster. I imagine it's the close. I've I've never really been a gambler and have spent very little time in casinos, but I imagine it's the closest you can come to, uh, whatever game it is that we see in all the movies where you throw two dice down uh, that, that long cr- table. Craps. Craps. Okay. Yeah. Craps. Where you where you throw it down and then. You get what you want, and like, yeah! Uh, I, my only relatable experience of that is Champions of Midgard. Champions of Midgard. <laughs> it's, but it's a huge feeling. Like, if you lose, it, it feels terrible. Terrible. Yeah. It's hilariously terrible. And, like, I've, pl- I've played games with four players, and, like, I just, the, everybody starts running away on the thing. And, but when that happens, you, there's, there's ways you start going and looking for other stuff to do. And there's ways mm-hmm. to sort of claw back. Uh, but if that blame piles up, that is, that is the de- sort of the deciding vote. Yeah. The blame tokens are a, a negative uh, point and they, they slowly, the more you have, the more negative points they're worth and it gets bad. So if you end up with five or six tokens at the end of the game, it's like negative 20-some points. Yeah. <clears throat> like Melissa and I played, played the other night, and we were counting out our score, and you count it at the end of the game, and you go through a series of... I mean, you're counting as you kill monsters, you get points, and as you do certain things, you get points. But at the end of the game, you go through... Uh, there's points for set collection. There's mm-hmm. points for having leftover stuff. There's your end game points for your destiny cards, things like that that you add at the end of the game. And the very last thing you do is count your negative points from the blame right. tokens. And Melissa and I were like neck and neck. We were on like one point apart, and then we started counting blame, and I lost by 11 points because, <laughs> because it was just too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, though, that the... Uh, fighting monsters and the dice chucking aspect of this game even though you know i have heard people people who will complain about this game because there's so much luck uh, tied up into the the dice rolling but i feel like that the game lives and dies on that mechanic i don't know if that's the right phrase there are there are so many games that have dice combat like since since we were a kid with risk yeah and i have never felt uh the closest i feel to this is when we played we played dice throne uh, early in the morning, oh, right. Right. and but that wasn't a good feeling, you know. Like yeah. Yeah. when I when I played Dice Throne and it was too early and I hadn't had enough coffee, 
I got the, I got the visceral kicks to the gut whenever I wasn't losing, but but it wasn't fun. It was like this isn't fair. You like your your character's too strong. And then we had to play with the we switched characters, and like I think I still lost. And that you know, and I was like, ah, yeah, it's just I'm waking up. Uh, but it but that wasn't fun. And no other game that I play uh, with dice like that gives yeah. you that feeling. Nothing nothing like a lot of games will put in. Uh, the random dice for combat because it because the randomness of of war and the randomness of whatever and it and it fits that idea, but this one really I, I feel it, you know it's interesting. Oh, absolutely, and and I'm, and, and I'm, I'm probably really exaggerating. I'm sure there's something else that's done that, but oh, it's just moments in board games. Anyone who plays board games is listening know knows exactly what we're talking about when talking about visceral kind of experiences playing board games. I'm really curious about that aspect of the game. You know, I, I couldn't find a, a designer diary or anything um, on the game. But like I, I was saying, like there's a lot of luck in chucking dice, especially when we're, like you said, like a, this is a Euro uh, kind of hybrid of a, with the Meritrash mechanics with it. But a game where, yeah, we're we're looking to get victory points and there's ways to kind of strategically play this game. I think there's probably a way to win the game without going and fighting monsters, but I doubt anyone ever would because it's so much fun to go and fight the monsters. Like you can stay and fight the trolls, try to pile the shame on everyone else. There's um, asymmetrical powers that you got that your individual Vikings have, where I think some of them allow you to get more points based on how many resources you have. Or uh, what are the cards where, um, that give you end game points. That's the destiny cards. Right. If you if you kind of try to focus in on getting those and, and, and rack up points, but none of those are really fun. E- even if you win. I don't think you'd want to win that. But way. even even most of those destiny cards are for having the most type of monster. Right? You get yeah, more points for having the Draugr, the most for having the dro- troll cards, most for having monster cards, most for having like a color of cards, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a few that are but, like have the most food left over, have the most dice left over, but yeah, but my point is too that you know there's risk reward in sailing overseas and fighting monsters. Yeah. And if you wanted, you might be able to sit back, get all your points safely inland, and hope that all your friends fail around the table. But there's no fun in that. And I gotta wonder that if they that they played the game and maybe realized, yeah, there's other ways to win this game without this risk part of the game. And then no one would ever play that way. Everyone's gonna go fight the monsters and 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 chuck the dice. And I. I think that's what makes the game fun to lose is because everyone buys into that risk and no one is going to sit back and try to win in a weird way <laughs> yeah. or something. You know what I mean? I did. Uh, we were trying to work on top five lists on the website for a little bit. And so right. I did, I did my top five favorite games to lose. And this was my favorite. This is my favorite game to lose. And like, <clears throat> like the idea of losing games isn't like, yeah, I'm going to try and lose a game. Like I never no, I no. never set out to to lose a game and I'm never like, yeah, that's a super fun game to lose. I want to lose that. But it can happen with Champions of Midgard if if I'm rolling really lucky, the game becomes less fun. Right. You know, like it's one of the few games where I actually have more fun if the game is harder. You know, if I, and there is, there is, I haven't mentioned it, there is dice mitigation, like there is some mitigation yeah. for the luck. You get these little honor tokens that let you re-roll any of your dice. It costs so, you points. It literally costs you points. It costs you points. Up, right? Each one is worth two points, and you can only really pick them up. Uh, you can buy them. They get expensive. There's a spot to buy them on the board, or you get them from fighting the monsters over the sea. Yeah. You know, you go and fight the mythical beasts, you get, you get honor, and then you can... Uh, I'm not sure if it's called honor now. <laughs> I think about it. I think it yeah. is. Uh, and you can cash those in to re-roll your dice if you have to. And like I burn through those uh, just because I'm usually such a bad roller. And then, uh, and then they put out uh, the first. Well, they put out both expansions at the same time. I think. And I yeah. think it. I think they kickstarted it, and you get both of them. But they set them up as two individual things, and you can buy them retail, one or the other. And uh, so the first one we got was the Dark Mountain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the first one we got was Valhalla. But we got it to try and play five players and realized, ah, this isn't the one that gives you a fifth player. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I went and got the the Dark Mountain. And we played with the Dark Mountain. What it does is it makes it less risky. So you don't have to go over the sea. You don't have to rent a boat. 
uh, maybe not less risky, but less resource. Like it's easier to manage. You can go fight these closer monsters just just over the hills beyond the Draugr. There's uh, some bigger like giants in the mountains, mm-hmm. and you yeah. can go fight them. And you still have to pass one of the like journey cards. They're like land journey cards, but you don't have to rent a boat. And and the journey cards are pretty much all about bribes kind of thing. You can you can just buy your way past them most of the time. Just mm-hmm. spend some money, and you get you get to sneak past. And then you go fight these uh, monsters in the mountain. You get points, and you get new dice. You get these green archer dice that just oh, right. it's just another way to get dice. So you get you get more dice, which is makes the game slightly easier because it's yeah. hard to pick up dice, if you, especially if you're playing with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a f- super fun time playing this with just two players because you have four workers to, to use, and everybody has an extra worker that they can buy. So you can get, with two players, up to five meeple, but it's expensive and feels like you're wasting a turn yeah. to cash in all your money, which is not a lot of points, but it's almost two points. And yeah. then and then you just, you just get a worker. So there's only eight rounds in the game, and you can't afford it in the early rounds, and in the later rounds, you you just you'd rather not waste. You feel like you're just sort of juggling a turn to get maybe one more turn in the next round, and so I haven't spent the money on it a lot. But uh, getting dice with four players or five players with this expansion is is tough because there's only a few around. So going and fighting these mountain monsters gets you an easier way to get dice, and then uh, and then get on with your stuff. And it, uh, I think it's a it's a great expansion to have if you're playing with five players, because yeah. it gives you more more options. It's less tense, it but does, less tense. I don't know. Of, yeah, exactly. Because it kind of opens up another way to stay away from going overseas, if you so choose. And I really think you know, like we were mentioning a minute ago, I think that is the focus point of this game. Is 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 trying to get your act together enough to load a boat and go overseas and have have that risk of flipping a card and seeing if things are going to be okay and fighting a big monster and seeing if you can do it. Yeah, like the the big difference, and I, I don't think we've mentioned anything that would make anybody understand what we're talking about for this. Yeah. Uh, the monsters by the village, the trolls and the dragger that are near the village are like, you get three to like five points. Right, and the yeah. monsters over the sea are these like, sea dragons and like mythical beasts and they're like 15 points yeah like it's big, huge big points yeah. so that's why you want to go overseas i think the mountain guys are you know the giants are like nine points or something so you still get a good trade-off they're a middle a middle ground mm-hmm. yeah i um we were talking about loving to lose and i i, I do I, I want to speak to that for a minute. Yeah, sure. I know you want to talk about another expansion. No, no, no. I would love to talk about it. I, um, I'm really fascinated by this idea, and we've talked about it oftentimes, like the kind of emotional feelings we get from games, and I think this game does what you say. It's a, it's a gut punch to lose, but it's fun, and why is that, and why in this competitive game is it fun to watch things fall apart? And so I went, I went scrambling last night uh, and last week because uh, I've been doing a lot of research lately for different things, but I've got access to some different databases. And I was looking so hard to find this kind of research on board games and, and emotional kind of resonance. And uh, it was really hard to find. But anyways, my adventuring, I'll call it adventuring, led me to something that I think ties into this. And I do find it quite interesting. I'd like to get your opinion on it. I was led to a, um, a a guy named Thomas Schelling. And this was after going through different sociologists and different economists, um, which I was like, why am I reading about these old dudes from the 60s? But anyways, I stumbled upon this guy, Thomas Schelling, who uh, was an American economist, uh, foreign policy, national security, nothing to do with board games, seemingly. Uh, but at, at some point, he won, he won the 2005 Nobel uh, Prize um, his whole thing is about understanding conflict and cooperation through game theory. Uh, so it led me to game theory and I haven't read a whole lot about game theory and I'm not going to get into it because it's a whole kettle of fish and we're not it's game less theory. about games than you think it is less about games, but a lot of it can still be applied yeah, yeah. to it in a really interesting way. I think so his book uh, in 1960 called the strategy of conflict 
This is not about board games. He's talking no. about social interaction and, and conflict and war and like big political, geopolitical issues. But it's still, I'm finding it really fascinating to apply it to even Champions of Midgard. So this book that came out in 1960, uh, he introduced a concept called uh, the focal point. And in game theory, a focal point is a solution that people tend to choose by default um, in the absence of communication, which brought me, made me think of the mind immediately that we talked about last week is this kind of thing that you focus on. But to me, again, I'm speaking about the going and fighting monsters and chucking dice is the focal point of this game. Um, and we all kind of choose it with, even though there's other things to do, we, we decide to do this. Um, but something interesting he talked about, and this is, this is what I want to speak to about maybe why we like losing certain types of games. Um, so it's not potentially the only way to win, but it's the biggest way to get a, a to take a risk and get a reward. And then if everyone kind of silently agrees that this is where the fun is to be had in this game, then it becomes this kind of cooperative agreement. And all of a sudden it becomes, it feels a bit like a cooperative game that we're all in it together doing a very similar thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but... It doesn't I, make sense in the in the framework of Midgard, but it makes sense where like on my top five list was like Forbidden Desert where mm-hmm. losing Forbidden Desert is completely about us because uh, it's a cooperative game. Everybody is playing together, and like, especially with, with uh, for any, any cooperative game, I think is fun to lose yeah. Be- because you're in it together, because you're trying, and, and like, you all go down at the same time, and it's always, like, it, it's always an experience, especially if yeah. it's a good game. It's less, less fun if it's not a good game. And cooperative but games aren't great games if you win too much like no yeah they're i think most of them are designed to be hard to win yeah uh, because that's that's the point of it if you easy to easy to win a regular game where you're playing against people you might want to play again uh cooperative games that you all win all the time no you know you can do something else but forbidden desert like every time we play that game uh all of the different ways to end the game sort of ramp up at the same time so by the end of that game, you're you're about to lose three different ways, or you're about to win on the next move, and yeah, so yeah. so the actual finale of that game is always exciting. Where uh, so many other games, uh, like Elder Sign, where it's a cooperative game, uh, the finale of that game is always a bit of a letdown because it's like one person rolls a dice and it's like, oh yeah, I got it. Where yeah. Where with Forbidden Desert, it just boils down to, oh my god, we're almost there! Ah! Everything, everything ends. And, right, right. And it's exciting. So it, cooperatively and that, that sort of thing. I've, maybe I, I talked you right out of your point. Never mind. No, no. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think this does lead into, uh, you know, if we wanted to talk about some cooperative games that are fun, fun to lose too. But I was trying to... What this, what, what this kind of... Um, theory was saying to me was that there there can be these competitive games where there's designed to be one winner uh but they feel less tense like we've played lots of other games like i think even going back to comparing this to raiders Mm. it's a similar theme but there's a bit more of a uh it's a bit more of a strategy game than than midgard and it really feels like if you get something that I didn't get in that game, then that could really affect me. Everything that you gain, I lose in that game and vice versa, I feel like. Whereas in something like Champions of Midgard, it's, it feels like cooperation. I, I want to use the word negotiation, even though there's no negotiation. This isn't like Catan and trading sheep and wood or Cosmic Encounter and me saying, hey, Mitch, you help me go defeat this person over here. But again, there's this kind of silent agreement that yeah, we're all gonna go fight these monsters, and it's probably not gonna work out for half of us or one of us every now and again. And then I I benefit from you losing against a monster because that's the monster I wanted, or uh, you benefit when uh, I flip the card going overseas and you realize that that's a, a calm place, uh, and then I I lose, and then you're able to go there. Um, just even though again we're competing for points and we're trying to do it it kind of feels like we're we're all kind of going for the same thing um 
and 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 to me this and I, I can see you disagreeing with me. <laughs> but so I started thinking about other games uh, before I even I read this kind of negotiation or these kind of bargaining situations that aren't negotiating or aren't bargaining in any way, but they feel um, because what happens to me is dependent on whether you win or lose fighting a monster. It it feels less like you're out to get me because something else took care took care of you. I I agree with that on the monsters. Yeah. But uh, in the village, I want that dice. You just took that dice. That affects me. That's not that. And yeah, that troll. Really work in the village. Yeah. Getting to the troll first is so competitive because that, as much as it, there's this interesting thing where everybody goes down if nobody fights the troll. Uh, it's such a big thing to be in control of, of winning the troll and, mm-hmm. and not having the blame pile up on you but pile up on other players. And with, with more players, you get to decide who gets the blame with yeah. some of those. So uh, it's pretty interesting. And, and it's really fun to go and fight the troll and lose because then everybody <laughs> gets it anyway. So, yeah. And then everybody's mad at you because you've rolled bad where it's it's like the opposite where you go to fight a monster that everybody wanted and you lose and everybody's like yes i have a chance to go get that monster myself uh, which is only true for the overseas monsters the the ones near the village go away every turn Mm -hmm. but if i fight the troll and i lose then everybody is mad (laughs) because everybody's uh, getting points against them it's true probably the most tension in the game comes from well the village but the troll and the shame Mm. Um, you know, so we can go, we can, again, if I'm watching you go fight a big monster and, and you barely get it with your dice rolls and you get 15 points, it's like, Oh, you got 15 points. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you got 15 points. And, and it was like a nail biter versus you just taking some, going to a spot in the village is like, wow, screw you <laughs> or you getting a, the troll and handing, handing around the shame, the blame or the shame, whatever it's called, um, is the is another big gut punch in that game is when someone just hands you negative points and and it's also thematically like you're shamefully didn't fend off monsters from the village so Um, yeah but if um i'm not going to ramble too much more about this kind of cooperation trying to figure out why we love losing games but two games that to me feel really similar to this um in a similar way and they're competitive games or Clank, which uh, I think we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. where, again, it's a competitive game, but I feel it feels... Number two uh, on my list. It feels like we're all in it together, again, for this, this similar um, negotiation. It's not a negotiation, but that's what it kind of feels like, where it's like, hey, we all got this objective, we're going into this dungeon, and we all collectively get attacked by a dragon, and it's fun. It's It's okay to die. Usually, you want to get above ground, and then it feels okay, but... Um, it's there's something there, and there's it's something beautiful about these competitive games that have an element of camaraderie in uh, something bad happening to everybody. The thing that uh, I really like about losing Clank is uh, is the the race aspect of it, right? You go down and then you try and yeah. get back out, and as you see people going out, you might not mm. be done what you're you've tried to do. You want to go and get bigger points. So you you see that and you have to judge and like and then there's the gamble and you decide I'm going to stay in a little longer while they're running for the door and then you have to turn around and race back out and if you yeah, don't yeah. get above ground you you get zero and if you can get above ground you can at least count your points and you're going to be behind and yeah. like and there's that's where I think the biggest tension for the game is is in that last home stretch of you maybe losing and it 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 just it works so well on building and building and building and whenever you die in that game it's a really exciting moment where you didn't quite make it and so many times you're like right at the edge of something and you yeah. lose and like you know it's it's like the champions of midgard lose where everything really builds up to it or it's like the forbidden uh Forbidden Desert one that I was just saying, except it's not cooperative, but but yeah. it, it actually has a big finale when you lose. It's a big, exciting loss. Totally. And, yeah, well, I, I experienced this in Clank uh, yesterday playing with Sam where he likes to get in and get out really quick. 
And he got out, and he also loves the idea of, for a few rounds, getting to draw all the cubes from the bag and trying to kill me. Or at least he kind of thought he liked that. And then as it started happening, he, he ended up rooting for me. Hmm. Like, he was enjoying it the first time, but then he was like, I was like, oh, if you draw all green cubes this time, but I'm toast. And he was like, oh, God. Oh and I was God, one away. Him. And, oh, and, and you made I him feel I, the murderer. <laughs> I might have, actually, but I didn't mean to. And I was one away. And anyways, he was like drawing them like, oh, oh. And then he just, I got out. Uh, and he was just like, yeah. And he just erupted into celebration, even though. Uh, that's a, like, I think know? that's, it's not. Maybe it's not unique to Clank, but it's one thing that Clank offers that that is special, where that that race to the end for the other characters becomes a spectator sport for for everybody yeah, else yeah. who's playing. And totally. like whether they're rooting for you to to not make it or make it, uh, everybody is yeah, that that home stretch for anybody playing is fun for everybody playing. So yeah, not a lot of games can can get that excitement for everybody at the table for for somebody maybe losing and just that yeah it's yeah, got yeah. a good finale that game the the other one i want to throw in there because to me it perfectly fits with these two and i don't think you guys have got a fair enough shake at it and maybe you just won't ever go for it but it has a similar it does a very similar thing um and that's galaxy trucker where again you're all in the same boat for a, a little bit Okay, we're all under uh, the clock for a minute. We've got to build a, a spaceship as fast as we can. That's a fun little tiling puzzle spatial game. Uh, but then again, to and almost like you just said with Clank, it becomes a bit of a spectator sport where the next phase of the game, you just sit back and you're at the mercy of uh, dice chucking, like fighting monsters in Midgard or drawing cubes from a bag. It's like you, you have fun with the first part and then you sit back. And if you can get into the theme of that game and just realize that, Again, just like these other two games, it's less about winning in some ways and more about just having fun even if you lose. You just get to sit back and watch everyone's ships get blown to bits. And uh, for me, that that game is is like the spectator sport. When I've played that with my family and, and Sam too, it's fun to build and it's fun to build a perfect ship. It's cool when, when meteors bounce off it and everything, but it's way more fun when your ship gets blown in half. And you're like, eh, oh well again next round and uh, i would say that that is one that i love to lose of course there's gut punching moments where you had like 10 points of cargo on the right end of your ship and then it just goes floating off into space but again it doesn't feel very heavy it feels kind of like a light fun way to lose a game you know but, i think i think an interesting thing there is uh it's a weird tie-in but i think it's one of the reasons why uh, Euro games and stuff have end game scoring and why you don't count score. Part of it is so that you can't gauge uh, what the players are doing so that so that you can sort of keep your information a little bit hidden as you work through stuff and you can't figure that out. But there'd, there'd be no good finale. Uh, like the way we used to do, the way it tells you to count uh, your points on Ticket to Ride, right? In the rules, it, it tells you to count them as you go. So every time you place a train you count out your points, but we count them at the end. And part of that is because you just can't concentrate. Mm -hmm. But it would be not very exciting at the end of that game if you just, if you did, yeah, okay, uh, that's the last train, I won. True. So yeah. having end game scoring for, for pretty much any Euro type or strategy game that's going on right now gives you that bit of exciting finale where you actually totally. count the score and especially if it's close and if you lose by one there's your big yes moment yeah uh and and if you lose by you know if you never catch up as you can score maybe that finale doesn't doesn't pay off for you but it gives a moment where you can have exciting finishes in yeah. in a game that didn't have that same visceral impact uh, while you're playing it totally yeah i, I agree with that and you i think wanna, the most visceral endings are on games like Jenga and Rhino Hero. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in Ticket to Ride, you don't want a visual reminder of how far ahead an opponent is. No. Uh, which, you know, victory point tracks often do that, where you're like, oh, I'll never catch that person. Um, but, yeah, so it's fun to lose some. Yeah, go ahead. I have a sad uh, <gasps> thing to add. Oh, no. So Valhalla yes. removes that removes 
removes all the of the visceral <laughs> losing. There's no gut punches anymore. There's no uh, ah moments. There are. Right. There are a few, but yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not, that's not the feeling of the game anymore. It's a fantastic expansion. We'll probably always play with it, but it removes that. It. You no longer. Whenever your dice die, say you're, you're warriors, you throw your dice, you're fighting a troll, and you roll blanks, and you have no reroll tokens, your dice die. Uh, now they go to Valhalla, and they ah, turn into yes. resource tokens, and those resource tokens can be cashed in for these blessing cards that give you immediate bonuses, including new, more powerful dice, oh. and you can save them up and fight bigger mythical monsters in Valhalla that give you massive points and end game mm. scoring. And like, so the whole game kind of changes and it becomes more and more of a Euro game and more and more strategizing about what you're doing. And you're actually, you, you, I was playing it and going, okay, I want to kill this black dice and I want to kill this white dice. So I'm going to throw all of them over at the, the troll. And I don't, I don't care. Right. If they oh, oh that one's going to take three of my dice because each each monster card that you fight there's a blue number that says how many uh, attacks you need yeah. to win and so the dice have zero one or two attacks and if the monster has a three you need to roll uh, two dice that will add up to three because they have right. a red number that will be how many dice they take away so that's their attack on you and that attack is going to happen regardless of whether you win. So mm. you're fighting a monster that has three red and two blue. You roll, and if you roll two blue, uh, two of your attack, you can beat it, but it's still going to take away three of your dice. Uh, right. Some of the dice have shields that can stop one of those numbers from attacking you, which means you can save one dice. In Valhalla, you can decide whether or not you want to save the dice. Oh. So... And, and there's new things where there's a, a shield with an attack that lets you block one of their attack and get an attack. So, wow. so now all of the dice that die become new resources that you can trade for instant bonuses, for end game scoring, for huge points, and there's a spot where you can just trade them every two can be a point. Wow. Yeah, That's and every amazing. three can be another dice. That sounds really cool. It's that... super fun. It's it's fantastic. It uh, it makes it a really different kind of game. Makes it more competitive. Uh, it's super level. Uh, I, I, I don't know. We've only played it the one time, and this is a first impression kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I took to it right away, and but but what it what it does is it removes that losing feeling. Mm. And you have and one of the more interesting bits is you have uh, a new little board. Uh, each each viking ship that you get which is a character that has their asymmetrical power now right. has another asymmetrical power that comes with a blue dice which is the leader dice and and it works so well it feels thematically like a leader you get uh, huh. em emboldened by having this blue dice and you send that blue dice out to fight so where before you used to always feel like oh my god i'm short dice mm. now you're like dice seem to come easier there's way more right. ways to get dice. You have this extra blue dice that you just feel you can throw out anywhere. And if it rolls, it's got a little Viking hat side. If that side comes up, then it triggers an extra power that it has that does another bonus for you. Oh, wow. And that those those can also die, but they don't give you a Valhalla chip. But then mm -hmm. whenever you go to spend your resources in Valhalla, most of the blessing cards will reincarnate your... He's injured... It'll they'll bring it back, so you get your blue bag dice back all the time. Wow, super so kind of but yeah, yeah. It kind of uh, it kind of leans even more into what I was talking about earlier, where it's like leaning into the fantasy element of going and fighting mythical creatures. And for me, part of the thing, the, if I was going to say the only thing missing from uh, Champions of Midgard was either like Valhalla or Ragnarok in some form, and I love the idea of yeah. I mean, it's a trade-off because we're, we're talking about how much we love kind of losing to those monsters and how fun it is to watch others lose. It's a part of that base game experience. But I can imagine I would also prefer that, oh, I lost three dice, but they're going to Valhalla and better things are happening. And uh, the fantasy is, is 
is expanding in my brain about about what's happening in this Viking world. You know, yeah, it, that sounds uh, really cool. it works fantastic. It makes the game fun. I mean, the game was super fun to begin with, but it adds all fun. Like, you, there's chain chains you can build now because when you fight a monster, that's when you get to spend your tokens, and so you can be short uh, a token to get a, a particular thing. And then you fight the monster to get into it, and you plan on losing a particular dice to get that extra token, which gets you that extra bonus, which gets you... And you can buy more than one bonus on a turn, and, and mm. you all of a sudden get more dice, and you get... It's it's fantastic, but it completely removes uh, yeah. the whole uh, impact of, of throwing bad dice. And so it, it removes a really strong emotional part of the base game, but adds tons of fun uh, play at the same huh. time. So it's a weird trade-off. And but I mean, we'll probably never play without it now because it because it's so interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! I'm really excited to to try it out. When we probably won't play with the with the Black Mountains again until we have like a five-player game and or a four-player game, and then and you need the, the extra space and yeah. Yeah, it's a huge game. I imagine. Does Valhalla have its own board? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, they sell a they sell a, a play mat for it. So they have like a a neoprene mat for it that I would like to get, but it's uh, right. thirty bucks in shipping. But it it compresses all of the boards from the two expansions into one table fitting. <laughs> hmm. so. Oh man, I'm craving Viking now. For someone who's claiming to really love Vikings, I don't really have a viking game and i mean i love champions of midgard i love raiders of the north sea i'm really itching uh although i for a while i it was at the top of my list and now i don't think i'll ever buy it because it won't really fit with our group but i would like to try blood rage at some point and i really want to try uh feast feast for odin uh, at some point i think would be a lot of fun um so i got to get a viking game in my collection at some point i guess i want uh Pinchback and Riddle to uh, redo Wasteland as their original Space Viking theme. I want to see that. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. Or even, I'll take anything Viking right now. Just throw it at me. Throw it at me. Vikings Gone Wild. That's it. It's a good time. Vikings Gone Wild is a good time. This, actually, I I kind of wondered um, when you said... And this is not something that is always said with expansions. When you just said, uh, I think we'll probably always play with Valhalla. Because I've played lots of expansions where I'm like, I'm not sure if that adds enough to the game. Um, but I think it's... And we I don't think you and I are necessarily the type to go out and buy every single expansion for, for games. Uh, I've got a few. But um, I think it's really cool when an expansion does make an improvement on a, on a base game. Um, and it did get me thinking about kind of like essential expansions. Uh, Raiders of the North Sea, the, uh, what's the expansion that I bought for that one? There's oh, yeah, the hall of, hall of Heroes. Hall of Heroes. I, I will never yeah. play without that one. Yeah, uh, that adds a nice twi- thing to that game for sure. There was, there was a bit in that game where if you're playing it a bunch and you get pretty good at it and you play with someone who hasn't been playing, there's sort of a, a gap, you know, like yeah. you definitely have an advantage and uh, people can fall behind in that game pretty easily. And Hall of Heroes, I think, really smooths that out. Yeah. I think because uh, all of your points come from the raids, Hall of Heroes then uh, puts in an opportunity to then get points after those raids have happened. Right. Uh, so there's there's always opportunity. You cannot go on raids. You cannot have to build up to get raids, and you can still catch up and win the game mm-hmm. by just by just doing stuff around the village again. Where you know there was a bit there was a there was a chance for runaways in that game. Uh, usually there wasn't. If we're playing the same amount of times, and we were you know we've I don't think we've ever really had it. I think uh, a couple times where I've taught the game to somebody who hadn't played it. They, they end up being, you know, 20 and 30 and 40 points behind yeah, yeah. sometimes. And I think Hall of Heroes really fixes it. I haven't tried the the Fields of Fame yet. Mm, it's right. got really interesting stuff, but I don't... You I know, forgot I've, there was another one. Yeah. yeah. There is another one, but I haven't tried mm. it yet. Yeah, it got me thinking about... And, I mean, I've got a, a few expansions that I would say 
qualify as essential, but to at least somewhat tie it into our Viking conversation. Um, uh, my favorite expansion of the past year, and it's kind of weird to call it an expansion because it kind of feels like a standalone game, even though it's not you totally need the base game, is the Rise of Fenris uh, Scythe expansion that we've been playing. Um, and I know Fenris is, you know, a whole Viking thing that I don't know off the top of my head, but that's why I'm tying it in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been, we're halfway through that campaign with our, with our game group and uh, kind of similar to, to Raiders, I think. Once you play Scythe a few times with a, with the same group, it it, it kind of starts to feel a little samey, and there can be that similar gap where someone can run away with it. And I really love the campaign style of Fenris that adds new rules and slightly changes things every game to kind of level the playing field a little bit and keep everyone uh, on their toes and mix up the game state a little bit. But anyone enjoying Scythe, I think, would would love that one. But yeah, Fenris was a monster wolf. From Norse mythology. Yeah, I knew I knew that much. Monster Wolf, but it's also Monster dark. Wolf. Uh, the the fifth game that I had on my uh, top five games to lose was yeah. Race for the Galaxy. Oh, Not yeah. Vikings, but because of the nature of the race through that game, where you're going so fast, uh, that's a really fun game to lose because you're usually you watching it happen. You're trying to count the other player's score as you're trying to catch up or or stay ahead, and yeah, yeah. I, that whole game has has an ending feeling. It's ending as soon as it starts, and you're just you're just hanging on. It's uh, that was my fifth one, and and me, I wrote that a while ago, and I could probably find other games that I may or may not like more than losing than that one, but. Uh, well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's a bunch, and uh, interestingly enough, some of them, like we've we've mentioned uh, a couple now, like Clank has that kind of race feel, and um, Midgard has the uh, the short. It feels like a short, similar to what you just said about Race for the Galaxy, because it's eight rounds. When you get through two rounds of Midgard, you're like, oh my god, this is going to end in ten minutes. <laughs> it doesn't, but it has that feeling like yeah, yeah. it's going to come to a head really fast. Um, before we wrap up the one, the other one that I had on my list, which I don't think would hold up in the same way now, but because I had such a fun, fun time with it, like initially getting into the hobby, um, betrayal at house on the hill. Mm. Um, that was I, a hit or miss for the loose losses in that one. It was definitely a hit or miss for what stories played out in that game, but it was always interesting to see what the trader was going to be and yeah. bring to the game. And it was always fun whether you were going to win or lose that game depending on how interesting the story was. One of the I most more, more fun than not with that game. I yeah. Think. I like what that game does where it, where it has a second act that yeah. just sort of changes everything. It's like playing two games almost. Uh, totally. It's fun. It's fun. I know yeah. the last think... bunch of times we played it have fallen flat. Yeah. So I'm not clambering to play it again, but I think it'd be one to revisit in legacy style at some point. If it, if the price came down on that, I would I would give it a go. But. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I would try it again. Sure. If, if that's yeah. what you're playing, I'll play it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. How we're, we must be running low on Viking time. Viking time. Yeah. To Valhalla. To Valhalla. Uh. Makes me want to watch Ragn- uh, Thor Ragnarok again. If you- you've seen the third Thor movie, yeah, yeah. right? Totally. Yeah. That is the uh, one of the top of those Marvel movies. Uh, so funny. It's a comedy. <laughs> There's a. I don't know if it's a Viking movie. It seems like it's it's borrowing. Yeah, heavily. it's not really. <laughs> no, no, the, no, no, not that one. Totally, that's a Viking movie. There's I mean, uh, in it, but <laughs> There's it. one called like uh, the Thirteenth Warrior. That's uh, like. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's Antonio, Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not. I think they borrow heavily on that vibe, but I don't think it's actual Vikings. Uh, but it has like these cannibals that live in the mountains, and like right. it's got some really fun, sort of almost haunting stuff in that movie. It's, it's been I enjoy a long that time. one. It's hmm. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I liked it. Oh, it's that was the t- top of my head for oh, are you Viking something? <laughs> <laughs> Viking Viking something? Viking Kool-Aid. Alright, on that note. <laughs> <laughs>
Thirteenth Warrior. We, as always, we do have an email. Uh, feedback at everydaymaple.com. Uh, thanks, Steve. Oh. Yeah, good to see you. We'll see you next week for some uh, isolation talk. Cool. Maybe. Yeah. That's something. We'll Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.